0: I forgot to collect, so I'm going to pray it now because it fits in beautifully with what I'm going to say. Almighty God, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Mercifully give us faith to know that as he promised, he abides with us on earth to the end of time, who is alive and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. (laughs) Time Magazine lists the late writer David Foster Wallace as number one in their 10 top all-time graduation speeches. He's listed ahead of Steve Jobs, Conan O'Brien, Winston Churchill, John Kennedy, Barbara King Sullivan, and Stephen Colbert. His speech is rated at the top because it tells the truth about what lies ahead for graduates. And he bases this truth on another of my favorite stories. There are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet a noisy older fish. There are these two young fish swimming along and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods at them and says morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit and then eventually one of them looks over at the other and says what the heck is water? The point of the fish story is that sometimes the most obvious important realities are the ones that are hardest to see and talk about. The plain fact he suggests is that you graduates do not yet have any clue what day in day out really means. There happens to be whole parts of life he says that nobody talks about in commencement speeches. One such part involves boredom, routine, and petty frustration. You parents and older folks here will know all too well what I'm talking about. Most of our lives end up at exactly the same place. We will spend much of our life sitting in traffic, going to grocery stores, waiting in long lines, being sick of our jobs, concerned about our families, worried about finances, all of us. This isn't the most uplifting graduation speech. Happy graduation, welcome to life. Oh, and by the way, life gets kind of old after a while. And this is when Wallace says we all have a choice to make. Because the traffic jams, the crowded aisles, the long checkout lines, give us time to think. And if we don't make a conscious decision about how to think and what to pay attention to, we will be angry and miserable most of the time. Because our default setting is the certainty that situations like this are really all about me, about my hungriness, my fatigue, and my desire to just get home. My comfort, my entertainment, my distractions. And it's going to seem for all the world like everybody else is just in my way. Or, he says, we can think differently. We can decide. We can consider the likelihood that everyone else in the supermarket's checkout line is just as bored and frustrated as I am. And that some of these people probably have harder, more tedious and painful lives than I do. And Wallace says this is where choosing comes in. It will actually be within your power to experience a crowded, hot, slow, consumer-type situation as not only meaningful, but sacred. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel says, something sacred is at stake in every event. He says that there really is no distinction between sacred and secular, only a distinction between sacred and the profane. All, he says, is sacred, except those things which we make profane by our choosing. We get to choose. Our default setting is the rat race, and the temptation that follows is profanity. Often, even our spiritual default setting is to look for something elsewhere, everywhere else, but in the ordinary daily routines of our lives, in the water. And this is what I think Jesus is confronting us with in our gospel reading today. In the verses just before our reading, he prays to God for himself and says to God, I have finished everything you called me to do, and now I'm coming back to you. Echoing his future words on the cross, it is finished. And his command or his wish that the, his people stay here and finish the work through their daily lives, in the water, day in, day out. In our text, we get to listen to his prayer to God for us. And I found it a fascinating idea that God or that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, and continuously prays for us. And in this text, we get to listen in on his final earthly prayer for us. And he says, I am with you always. We are interconnected with God, Father, God, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then in the verses following our text, he prays for the church. And that we are love in the world, because God is in us. Our text reads, I think, a little like a combination of commencement speech and eulogy. And the passage is asking, how's the water? And we're invited to ask, what the heck is water? His prayer is further emphasized and incarnated in what we celebrated on Thursday night if you were here at that lovely traditional ascension service. The ascension of Jesus as recorded in Acts goes like this. So when they had come together they asked him, Lord is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? And he replied, it's not for you to know. The times are the periods that the Father has set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth and when he had said this as they were watching he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight and while he was going and they were gazing upward towards heaven Suddenly, two men in white robes appeared and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking up into the heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Like us, the disciples and followers' primary concern is when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? When will you fix our politics? Tell me a nation that doesn't have religious people asking that question. We want a God who fixes our external realities. And Jesus says, that's not for you to know. That's not your concern. Wait here for the Spirit's presence. And then Jesus disappears. Do they get the point? No, they don't seem to. And consequently, two messengers appear. And ask and ask them, why are you still staring into the heavens? You continually look for something outside of yourself to complete you or to affirm you. It's here. It's inside. Wait for it. If you stop, wait, and look inside, the spirit will become evident. Quit looking for a God who is going to fix your politics and life. That God is the God whose image you are created in. That God is already in you. Don't look up. Look in. Accepting Jesus is not an act that does something new to you. It's an awareness and acknowledgement of who you have always been. The beloved. As preacher Barbara Brown Taylor has said, People are so willing to look all over the place to find God and the sacred. They will spend hours launching prayers into the heavens. They will travel halfway around the world to visit a monastery in India, or take take part in a mission trip to Belize. The last place people look is right under their feet, in the everyday activities, accidents, and encounters of their lives. What possible spiritual significance, she said, could a trip to the grocery store have? She continues, there is no spiritual treasure to be found apart from the bodily experience of life on earth, engaging in the most ordinary physical activities with the most exquisite attention that I can give them. My life depends on ignoring all touted distinctions between the secular and the sacred, the physical and the spiritual, the body and the soul. What is saving my life now is becoming more fully human, trusting that there is no way to God apart from the real life, apart from real life in the real world. She's suggesting that we quit trying to earn our Christian life, You're in it. It is your life. Choose to be in it. Something sacred is at stake in every event. Look for it. Don't look for it out there. Look for it in here. And then community becomes the Jesus in me, seeing the Jesus in you. And we become forever connected, even with our enemies. Our daily temptation, or our default setting, is to look for something out there to complete us. This is materialism. Nothing wrong with materialism, as long as you realize that it isn't all that exists. For Jesus, the immaterial was more important than the material. Genuine relationships are more important than business contacts. And in our culture, even our relationships have a tendency to become materialistic, utilitarian, economic, manipulative, about winning and losing not about loving and letting ourselves be loved. When I was working in financial services I had a manager suggest to me that I find a church that didn't have any financial consultants in it and attend that church. (laughs) A utilitarian approach to life and relationships, the last thing I felt I wanted to do. Reading this passage puts us into the same cosmological quandary as the disciples. And I think Jesus is saying, instead of looking for holy moments, look for the holy in all moments. This is water. This is what the Christian life looks like, day in, day out. This passage calls us to be fully engaged in the world in the same way that Jesus was. This is what he means by sanctification, not just putting in time until we get to heaven, not just competing for adherence to some ideological faith, not marrying faith to politics so that we can be on the winning side. It's stopping to notice the water, the place where we live and breathe and have our being. Eventually, the disciples begin to understand and let go of a materialistic notion of the kingdom. Even Paul, despite the issues some of us may have with him, got this. In Acts 17, he says this, speaking to the Athenians. He notices in their city this plaque, sort of a catch-all phrase amidst all their gods, to the unknown God, just in case we've missed one and he says this to them from one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him though indeed he is not very far from each one of us for in him we live and move, and have our being. This is where we live, and move, and have our being. This is water. This is water. This is water. Amen.